shouldn't get reflective, but I'm going to here just for a minute or two. You know, our, I think at least that our, our culture has developed some uh, odd notions about the concept of heroism. On the one hand, there are some people who seem determined to find fault or uh, ferret out shortcomings in some of the greatest heroes we've ever known, run around trying to tear them down, which I think is unfortunate. On the other hand, there are folks who might, I think, toss around the term hero too loosely, Um, apply it to people who may have survived something or endured something, but um, did not uh, put themselves willingly, knowingly, at personal risk. And to me, those are the people for whom that term should uh, be reserved. And uh, we have two of them with us today. Their story is well known. But I ask uh, Lonnie and Robert to tell me again in their own words. And um, it is really a striking story of, of two citizens who were thrown by chance into a life-threatening situation and without hesitation, knowingly put themselves at risk and in the process saved a life. Now, whatever else a hero is, that's it to me. And we created an award uh, for just such people in our administration. It's been given only a handful of times. We're going to give it today because unquestionably it applies to what these two men did. And uh, I want to uh, say to them, um, as I did a minute ago, I'm proud to live in the same state with people like this. I'm proud to be uh, uh, an employee of people like this. That their families, the parents who raised them, and the, um, the spouse who... Uh, uh, supports uh, Robert. Um, we are honoring you too as we do this. But uh, uh, Indiana values uh, great citizenship and heroism, and we just saw a tremendous example of it in what these two fellows did. And so, on behalf of a proud and grateful state, uh, Lonnie, this is for you. Thank you. And Robert, one for you. We probably should do. Much more, but that's what we're in a position to do, and uh, I hope you know how much it means to everybody. I'm just the spokesperson here for millions of people who admire you and uh, and want to say thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sue? Sir. Well, with 35 years in law enforcement and so much of it on the road and coming across situations such as this. It's such a common thing to see people who are in proximity of this kinds of tragedy to back away and do what is a, a long, much ingrained into the human psyche, which is to get distance and avoid timing uh, into these kind of perilous situations. And it's a tremendous pleasure to find a couple of folks who have distinguished themselves by going beyond the usual expectation to protect self and to extend themselves uh, to somebody else's uh, safekeeping and to ignore their own safety in the meantime. And so on behalf of my agency, uh, we have put together a life-saving award for both of these gentlemen. Uh, in essence, it gives a recap of what transpired, just as the governor has mentioned before. But what it really says is that at a moment of significance and peril in somebody's life, you came forward and the world's a better place because you're here and somebody's still alive because of your actions. And we at the Indiana State Police couldn't be more proud. Robert? Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you.
I'm not really much on speaking. I do want to say step up there. I do want to say thank you to all the police firemen that do that. I don't know how they do it every day, but once was enough for me. So <laughs> thank you and thank my family and everybody for all these awards and stuff. We appreciate everything. Yeah. Thank you. question for either of them but they might prefer you don't <laughs> thank you everyone have a happy thanksgiving find it for you, but it's just a handful, as I can remember certain occasions, but I might miss one or two, but uh, Brad can get that for you. But, um, you very few. I'm sorry? I think so. I believe the fellow up at uh, Delphi was the first one, wasn't it? And that would have been in 05 or 06. Yeah, we'll get that for you. I want you to tell them about backing up, Robert. <laughs> about backing up? Yeah. You can step up and then they'll stop backing up. Okay. <laughs> well, well, this is what I re remember. I remember going across the bridge. We was on 465. I remember going across the bridge, and I heard something when I crossed the bridge. It was me and my wife, and uh, I looked up in the rearview mirror, and I seen a huge ball of fire behind us. And I told my wife it's something that just blew up. And for some reason, I just jerked the car off to the side, slammed it in reverse, and took off backwards toward it. And kind of came to my sense that I was driving a car backing to a fireball. Wasn't real smart. <laughs> but I remember I got out of the car and took off running down the interstate. And I remember my wife hollering and telling me it was a semi. It was over the hill. And I remember running down over the hill. I do remember the grass was on fire and stuff, and it was like jumping back and forth. It was almost like something out of a movie. It was really strange. But I never had time to think. I mean, and my wife was right with me the whole time. And uh, that's really about it when we got to the truck. You know. Tell us what it was like from your perspective. It was pretty crazy. Because I was at work, and we were at the apartments, like, right next to the interstate. And that's what I seen, the massive fireball. And I was actually on the second-story balcony replacing some wood deck. And uh, I just jumped off and ran to it. I don't know. It was kind of a feeling, something telling me to get over there. Somebody needed help. So I ran over there and seen the truck laying on its side and ran up to it. And there he was. So just helped him get the guy out of there. I was just going to ask, when did you two see To tell you the truth, he was already working when I ran up to him. I everything seemed like it went blank. Got the driver out of the truck, and actually, I didn't even pay pay no attention to Lonnie until we turned. And when we turned, Lonnie had the left side of him. And I, to tell you, I, like I said, I couldn't even remember. I don't even know what color the truck was. It was, uh, it was fast. It was yeah, it just, just like everything clicked. You know. Hey, Robert, can you come up to the microphone, please? And what was it physically like uh, being able to get 
process like and, and the heat can you describe what, what that Actually, I didn't even know the truck was on fire. I know I run down the hill, and when I got to the, to the, the driver, I was hollering, telling him that I was there and looking for a way to get him out. And I looked up and seen the corner of the windshield, and I just grabbed a hold of it and started tearing at the windshield. And it just kept folding over every time I would grab it. It would just fold over into pieces. And then finally, I just got it to where I could get the windshield back out of the way. And But as far as the fire, I didn't feel it. I didn't... Uh, I didn't even know it was on fire until I heard my wife holler, it's on fire. And that's when I realized it was on fire, and that's that's when I told Mr. Tobias we had to go. When did you look so. at each other at the end and say, I can't believe we used to do this? I know there had to be a moment where you used to look at each other. No, we actually looked at each other and thanked, thanked each other. Uh, and uh, When the ambulance yeah. got there, when they were loading him into the ambulance. Yeah, because I, I remember I walked up to the back of the ambulance and I waved at him. And I told him, I said, you're going to be all right now, and I'll see you later. And that's when I turned, I seen a camera coming down the hill, and uh, I, that was my time to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that was my time to leave right there. <laughs> we, uh, we got to talk to his daughter a little bit on the phone, and... Uh, uh, we sent him a couple cards, and I haven't talked to him yet at all. Uh, only time I got to talk to him was the night of the accident. I went and seen him at the hospital. And uh, I actually got to talk to him for about uh, three or four minutes, and they was taking him down for a CAT scan. And uh, I talked to his daughter and his two sons and his wife, and then uh, we stood there for a couple minutes and told him, I said, you guys have been through enough, and we went ahead and left. So I haven't talked to him since. What did they say? Did T.E. work with them? Uh, what, what did T.E. work with them have to say? It was really a emotional moment. It was, uh, I thought I was going to be all right until I looked at him and seen him crying. And, and, uh, but uh, they was just thanking us a lot. And uh, I remember them taking him out for, his, for the cat scan, and I, I heard him keep saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, but other than that, I haven't talked to him at all. So. <laughs> Not unless you're offering me a job. <laughs> I, no. I do construction work. I, I do also do construction. And you're, you're going to stay doing construction? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Or no. <laughs> Leave that to the professionals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys don't work for the same company? We go the apartment complex? You no. Know each other no. No, I was driving down the interstate. And I was at work. I was on 465. I, I had just crossed the bridge getting ready to turn on to Benford Boulevard. Thank you all very, very much for helping us honor these two men.